Awesome. So it's, it's good to see you all here tonight. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome to RUF. Um, my name is Jonathan. I'm the campus minister here. Uh, so it's good to see you all. If this is your, not your first time, it's good to have you back. Um, I'll just follow up on what Bella said. Really encourage you to sign up for Western, uh, Western Conference if, uh, if you haven't already. It's going to be a ton of fun. I was uh, helping with the other campus ministers planning for that and it's going to be awesome. So um, Rigo's telling me that one of the big perks that he's looking forward to is only a 10-hour drive, not a 22-hour drive. <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, we, are, are, we will drive to California and it will be a lot less of a drive than um, when we go to Florida. The other thing I was going to note is uh, on the announcements, the date for Dress the Child was pushed back a week. We had nothing to do with that. That was on, on their end. They had to push it back. So um, if you signed up for it last week or if you're interested, um, you can come talk to me. We'll text you reminders. But that's going to be on the 17th uh, instead of on the 10th. Um, so that'll be a fun, a good time to go serve our community. Um, and if you're wondering why my shirt looks filthy, it is covered in baby food. <laughs> so, that's how life goes. So. Um, the last semester, we've, or this semester, we've been studying the, the book of John. We've been studying uh, the Gospel of John and how it um, affects and shapes and directs our lives today. If, if, you're, uh, if you're, this is your first time tonight and what you hear you're curious about, we post actually all the messages on uh, the NMSU website, not the Facebook page, but the website, so you can go back and listen to those if you're interested. Um, and today we're going to talk... Uh, a little bit about the Holy Spirit, less about Jesus and more about the Holy Spirit, and because John makes a really big deal about the Holy Spirit, and so we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> and I'm going to start off this way. I remember when I went to college, um, back when the earth was still cooling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I remember I went to college in uh, New York City. So I grew up in Colorado, and I went to college in New York City, and so I remember... Um, you know, that was a huge move. And I remember my family, my, my parents in specific, my mom dropping me off at, a, uh, at, at my dorm in midtown Manhattan. And we were like packed in there. There were four guys in a one bedroom apartment. And it was like, I don't know how fire code was met. And all. Anyways, we were packed in there. And there's these three other guys that I don't know anything about. If you want to know a story that's completely off topic, ask me about my freshman roommate. I don't care what your story is, I can beat all of them. <laughs> my freshman roommates were out of control. But anyways, these bunch of these guys that I had no, no, never met before, and my mom like closes the door, and she leaves, and I'm stuck in New York City by myself, and I was just, I felt so alone. <laughs> So utterly alone, and I'll never forget that moment of the aloneness of like the of my parents, the people who had supported me and taught me and provided for me, for me were you know were gone, and I'm stuck in a city of nine million people. I don't know a single one of them, and I'm just alone. And I remember crying myself to sleep for three weeks, um, getting used to it. And I know that many of you have felt that way. If you you know college for the first time. Or if you, you know, maybe you live in Las Cruces and you live at home and you still wander around this campus and you feel alone. Uh, maybe you traveled a long ways to come here and you feel alone. Um, but you feel this moment of aloneness. You know, we all have that moment of aloneness. And I think we all feel that socially. I think we also feel that spiritually. 
and we wonder, where is God? Like that feeling that I felt that we all feel socially, sometimes we often, I think, feel that spiritually. Like, where is God? I feel alone. I can't see Jesus. I'm alone. And we've spent the last 11 weeks in the book of John looking at Jesus and looking at who Jesus claims to be. You know, Jesus makes these claims. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. I am the resurrection of the life. He does these signs where he says, you know, like, he, he, he turns water into wine. He brings somebody back to life. And it's amazing. It's incredible what he does. And we see that and we're like, this is awesome. This is all well and good. It's great. But where is Jesus now? <laughs> How does that matter now? in a lot of ways, I think, is a question that I find myself asking. I've thought, this is all well and good. Jesus seems great, but he's not here. He's gone. I can't see Jesus. So believing is hard when I can't see, and we feel that kind of aloneness. And that's what's going on right now in the book of John as we come up. We've been reading, the last couple of weeks, we've been reading in what a section of John that's called the Farewell Discourse, chapters 14 to 17, in which Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm leaving I'm going away. And part of what he's saying, he says, I'm going to go and die, and I'm going to, you know, like, I'm going to physically be gone. But then even after that, I'm going to leave your presence. I'm going, the mission, the reason that I've come to earth is done after my death and resurrection, and I'm going away. And the disciples are very distraught by this because they, they realize, like, we're going to be alone. This person that we've trusted in, this person that we've invested in, this person that we've put our hope in, He's leaving us, and so they're very distraught, they're very afraid, they're very sad. They've abandoned everything to follow Jesus. They've gone, you know, they, they, some of them lost their jobs, they lost the respect of their community, they lost, you know, opportunity to make income, uh, some of them lost family. And you can imagine the aloneness that they feel as Jesus is saying, I'm leaving now. And they're like, what gives? Why are you leaving us? And they're very distraught. And so it's in these moments of this kind of really acute aloneness that they are feeling, and I think in the aloneness that we feel, that this text comes to us tonight. Tonight we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and who he is and why he matters. And the point is this, that God and the, 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 the Godhead, the Father and the Son, they send the Holy Spirit to aid, aid us, to aid Christians in the midst of that aloneness. So if you have a bulletin uh, or a Bible, look with me at the bulletin. Um, and we are going to read... How far did I put on there again? I can't remember. Through 27? Yeah, okay, we're going to read through 27. <laughs> All right, so this is John 14, verses 15 to 27. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, who will be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day will you, you will know that I am in my Father and you and me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord, as Madeline prayed, um, a lot of us are tired. I know, I know I'm really tired. Um, and um, maybe some of us feel really alone. Some of us feel distraught. Maybe some of us are, <clears throat> would rather not be here and we came here out of some sense of duty. Maybe some of us are really glad to be here. Um, and in all of the diversity of ways that we are in this room, <clears throat> I pray that your spirit would do what he does and meet us through your word and encourage us, comfort us, and build us up. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So obviously Jesus, you know, like just what I said, the disciples are distraught and they're asking, why is Jesus, like, why are you leaving? And, and what, like, what, what gives here? And Jesus tells them right off the bat, I'm going to send someone who's going to encourage and comfort you in the midst of that. And he, he tells them, he says, I'm going to send the Spirit of Truth or the Holy Spirit and so there's a lot of, you know, that opens up the question of, like, what do we think about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? I think a lot of us, you know, if you were to ask that, you'd ask 42 people in this room that, you'd probably get a lot of different answers. I think a lot of us just think of, like, kind of the Holy Ghost thing. I know as a kid, I was like, it's like a powerful Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> and, I, you know, so it's like, who is this person that Jesus is going to, that Jesus is sending? And, and um, Jesus is telling us a lot about who the Spirit is by what the Spirit does. Who the Spirit is by what the Spirit does. And so let's look at what the Holy Spirit does and how that helps us in our spiritual aloneness. So right at the very beginning, he says in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now that word helper is really important. And it's also really difficult to translate. Um, the Greek word for that is the Greek word paraclete. Um, and there really is not, some of you who, know, who speak other languages, you know, Spanish or anything like that, you know there are certain words that just don't translate well into other languages. And so you need to add like a bunch of words to, you know, together to try and get the concept across. That's how this word is. There's not really a one-to-one -one word in, in the Greek for it. Some translations will use, you know, if you read a bunch of different translations, some will say advocate. Some will say counselor, some will say comforter. This translation uses helper. And they all capture, all of those translations capture kind of like a facet of what the word is doing, but they don't get the whole idea across. Um, none of them is really kind of correct. And again, like I said earlier, the best way to understand sort of what this paraclete, what the Holy Spirit does, is to look and see how, like what, you know, what he, is do what he does for the Christian. Uh, but, the, you know, if I were to sum it up, I would say that the paraclete is a divine person who helps the Christian in Jesus' absence. The Holy Spirit is a divine person who helps the Christian in his absence. Well, how does he help? How is he this helper? How is he this person who aids the Christian? Well, he tells us right off the bat, he says, I will spend, send you another helper who will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And right there, that's significant. Right off the bat, he says, I'm going to send the spirit of truth. 
And what he means by that is that the Holy Spirit, he is aligned and allied with Jesus. He's aligned and allied with Jesus. Remember, Jesus, we've looked at this earlier this semester, Jesus makes a claim about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the only way to be religious. To, 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 I'm the only one who will get you access to God. It's just in me. And now he says, I am, not, I am the only one who's true. I am the only philosophy or religion that's true. And this person who's coming, he's in line with me. He is right in slipstream with what is true about me. In that sense, the Holy Spirit... Uh, that is not the right page. Maybe it is. Yeah, so the whole, there it is. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us in the way that Jesus helps us. He's the spirit of truth that points us in, and, and shows us who Jesus is. But then look what he says. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. So he's saying here that there's the spirit of truth and he's in opposition to and in, in antithesis with the world. And now world in John, like paraclete, is a really loaded term. It has a lot of freight in that word. Basically, the world, in the way John uses it, is kind of the system of forces, spiritual and human, which oppose and hate and rebel against Jesus. So he says there's this person who's going to come who helps you, who's the spirit of truth, and the world can have nothing to do with him, has nothing, no access to him. Like in verse 17, he says, the world cannot access the Spirit. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is not some sort of like global transcendent being whom all people can sort of tap into for some supernatural experience or presence. Or, you know, he's not like the spirits of magic or astrology. He's saying, no, this is the Christian help for Christians. That only Christians have access to the Holy Spirit. And he's saying that you, as my followers, you do know him. And this is really amazing because he dwells with you. You know him, he says in verse 17, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's saying that God himself, he helps us. He's, he's the one who comes and is intimately close with us. And there's one more thing here that he says here, and then we'll move on a bit. He says, he will be with you forever. He will be with you forever. And I love that because Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. I'm going away. But this, this being, this person who's coming to be with you, who is allied with everything that, that everything that I've been doing, he's with you forever. He's exclusively and only for you. And he's never going to leave you. So he's building this case for this person who is everything that the Christian needs in the absence of Jesus. It gets even better. We're going to skip forward just a little bit and then come back again. Look at verse 26. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now look what's happening here. The Helper, whom the Father will send in my name. Right there you have the three people, within, the three persons within the Trinity, all marshaled together for the good of the Christian. Think about that for a minute. That the entire Trinity is at work for your good. In the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. That the Father, the Spirit, the Son, the whole Trinity is marshaled together to aid the Christian in their life and faith. 
The Father who creates the world and everything in it. The Son who saves and redeems the world by his death and propitiation and his sacrificial life. The Spirit who is the one who specifically comes to be the aid for the Christian. All of them are coming together to aid the Christian in their life. That the Godhead is organized... Here's reflecting on this day. The whole Godhead is organized together to foster and to nurture and to encourage and to grow and to protect your faith as a Christian. Think about that. That's what he's saying here. That God is sparing no expense, mustering everything within his being for your faith, for you to grow and mature as a Christian. That you're not alone. (laughs) That the entire Godhead in the form of the the Holy Spirit works 100% for you. Now, what is he doing? What are the things that that this helper does? Look again at 25 and 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Teach you all things and bring remembrance to what I have said to you. Here's what he means by that. Jesus is saying here that one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit is to instruct and guide Christians in the knowledge of God's plan and God's word. One of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to instruct and guide Christians in the knowledge of God's plan and God's word. So teach all things. Now does that mean that the Holy Spirit is going to come and teach you how to pass Math 121? Or like how to get through chemistry, like when he says all things, he means like every bit of knowledge. That, no, of course not. That's absurd. There must be some sort of qualification for all things. So the all things that he means here, he's referring to, that Jesus, to the things that Jesus himself taught us. Things that pertain to salvation and to sin and to growth in grace and to union with Christians and with and God himself. It's the things that pertain to the spiritual life of being a Christian, and, the th- and how our spiritual life affects the rest of life. That he's going to come, the Holy Spirit will come and reveal to us how to be a Christian, how to navigate life in the absence of Jesus. Now, how does he do that? How does the Holy Spirit do that in your life right now? Well, the main mean is through Scripture, honestly. The, ma- the means that the Holy Spirit uses to instruct you is in Scripture. And, and that's kind of the word that he uses here. The word for teach is the word for, that's often used both in and, without, and, and by the early church to mean the instruction in the word. To teach us almost in, an, in, a, in a, like a child is learning a new subject. They study it. They learn it. They imbibe. He's saying it's, it, it's through Scripture. And in, and in theology, we call this idea, we call it illumination. It's a technical term that we use. And that the Holy Spirit uses the Bible to reveal to us what is scripturally true. true, To reinforce and encourage and teach and correct us to a better appreciation, experience, and enjoyment of God. That the Holy Spirit primarily uses Scripture to understand and know God. And another way you could say is that the Holy Spirit activates what are otherwise just words on a page. So a way to think about that, how many of y'all when you were kids made like vinegar volcanoes? I remember I loved making vinegar volcanoes. My brother and I would build like a giant pile of sand 
and then dump a bunch of, I mean, I'm sure some of you guys like blew up real stuff like Nat, you know. But so, the furthest I did was make a vinegar volcano. So, but we would build a pile of sand and tunnel down into it and then fill a bunch of, bunch of dump a bunch of baking powder into baking soda into it. And then you dump vinegar in it and just kind of, and it's a lot of fun. Um, anyways, you know, you know the result. There's foam and everywhere and your hands smell like vinegar for days. And that's kind of what the Holy Spirit does. Like the scripture is kind of like the baking powder. It's, it, it's just words on a page in a lot of ways. But the Holy Spirit comes and is like vinegar in that it activates it. It brings life into it. It catalyzes scripture in a way that gives it life, that makes it more than the sum of its parts. So it blows up into our life and we're like, whoa, this actually means something. This actually comforts me when I'm sad. This actually encourages me when I'm down. This actually corrects me when I'm wrong. The Holy Spirit works through Scripture to exhort us and encourage us and push us in a godly and, and in, a, in a way that honors God, in a way that obeys God. The, scripture, the, the Spirit activates Scripture in our lives, in our hearts, so that it becomes spiritually meaningful, so that words on a page nourish our souls and feed our community. One of the, uh, the old confessions back in the uh, 1600s said this really well. This is uh, one of the catechisms that they would have uh, taught to children back then. It says, the Holy Spirit uses the reading and the preaching of the word as an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. The Holy Spirit uses the reading and the preaching of the word as an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in the holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. In John 16, Jesus says something very similar about what the Holy Spirit does. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will speak not on his own authority, but what he hears he will speak, and he will declare all the things that are to come. It's the same idea that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is, is, is here to aid and guide the Christian and to teach us through Scripture, through the words of Christ, what we need to know for present faith and future hope. And I think this idea that of what this is being one of the main things that the Spirit does kind of brushes up against something that I think is a major misconception and problem in our lives. I think a lot of us think, you know, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we tend to, we tend to think that the job of the Holy Spirit is to basically make me feel good as a Christian. Like the, the, the Holy Spirit's role in my life is to make sure that I have warm fuzzies towards God. Is to, to kind of give me like some sort of supernatural, transcendental experience where I'm like in touch with the divine. That's, the, that's what we think is kind of the Holy Spirit's role. That we, we kind of use this, we, I think many of us have this ex expectation that the barometer of our spiritual health is how close I feel with God. I know I do. Like, if I feel close to God, then I'm doing good as a Christian. Like, if I have a powerful worship, worship experience, or if I have like a really great quiet time, or if I come back from camp or summer conference or fall conference or something like that, like, oh, wow, I'm doing really great because I feel close to God. And we think, oh, the Spirit's at work. And those things are true, and they're great. And those are, those are moments that the Holy Spirit is at work. 
don't hear what I'm not saying. And what we feel about God cannot be the barometer of how we gauge our faith. It's so tempting in our lives to make our kind of emo- our present emotional position towards Christianity kind of set the agenda for how our, how healthy our faith is, right? That when we feel God's presence, when we see the Spirit at work, it's easy to think like, I'm a good Christian. I'm doing good because I feel good. Those are the Spirit's work. The Spirit does those things. And those mountaintop experiences cannot be the litmus test of your faith. Because you know what that means is that when you're not there, you're going to start abandoning your faith. You're going to start like, well, I don't feel like God's close to me, so I'm not going to be close to God. And you're going to, you're just, you're just like, well, this is dumb. I don't feel close to God. I'm out. This is stupid. Why am I a Christian? No, the Holy Spirit's role is to drive us to Scripture, which is true regardless of what we're feeling. And yet it also meets us like what women's Bible study has been talking us talking about. Scripture, it, it drives us to experience those emotions through Scripture, not without it. So that when we, here's what I'm saying, when we base our spirituality on feeling the Spirit's closeness, we set ourselves up for disappointment and frustration. It's kind of like the difference between flirting in high school and marriage. <laughs> so I remember, uh, true confession, I remember, you know, I remember when I was, before I was married, you know, you're trying to find a wife or something like that. So I remember I'd, you know, I'd go to a party or something. I'd see someone. I was like, oh, she's cute. So I go up and talk to her and like, oh, we're feeling it. We're flirting, you know, and it felt fun. It was great and all this stuff. And, you know, you're feeling all the feels and you're like, oh, wow, I'm really connecting with this person. It's really fun. She likes me. I like her. This is great. And there's like this thrill about it, right? Don't lie to me. We've all been there. And then it kind of like burns out. <laughs> and you're like, well, back where I started. I'm alone again. And <laughs> like, I stopped liking her. Like, I remember. It's real. We've all been there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she stops texting or you stop texting or whatever. And you're just like, you know, like it feels good. And then it kind of flames out. Contrast that with marriage. Contrast that with what, what I, my wife and I have a copy of our wedding invitation uh, on our, um, our bathroom vanity so that I look at the wedding invitation every day. And like, it's just a wedding invitation. But what it does is it reminds me that my wife and I have like a constant vow that I'm not going anywhere and she's not going anywhere. That we made a promise that regardless about how I feel about her on that day, and let me be, you know, let's be honest. There are days where it's like, I'm married to you, but I, I don't, you know, like, we're not great right now. Like, <laughs> but I'm not going anywhere. And you're not going anywhere. And I trust that you're not going anywhere. Like, I have a wedding band that says, I vowed before God and witnesses that I'm in this till I die. And she's in this till she dies. That as life goes up and down, this is constant. I'm married to Caroline. Regardless of about how I'm feeling about my marriage, my feelings don't change the fact that I'm married. And that's how the Spirit's work is more like that. The Spirit's work is, it's not, it, it's not this eternal high, it's this day in, day out. God is at work in your life despite how you feel. When you feel close to God, when you don't feel close to God, that is what the Spirit is doing. And here's the reality. Big chunks of your life as a Christian are not going to feel close to God. 
big chunks of it. I'm not going to tell you what chunks are, what chunks aren't. But there will be times when you're just like, I don't feel close to God. If you, those are the moments where you're like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with this. You're never going to make it. And the Holy Spirit's role is not to kind of prop up your emotional life. The Holy Spirit's role is to point you back to Jesus, who is that constant vow of his love for you. The Holy Spirit's role is not to give you the warm fuzzies or some kind of transcendental experience. It's the Spirit's job to encourage you to point you back to what's true in Scripture, to trust and knowledge of Christ. Look again at verse 26. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said about you. Bring to remembrance. I want to focus on that for a sec. The Holy Spirit's role... The Holy Spirit, let me say it this way, what the Holy Spirit says always aligns with Scripture. It always aligns with Scripture. It always aligns with what Jesus taught. The Holy Spirit will never call you to do something that is not in alignment with Scripture. He will never do that. If you have a sense, if you have this feeling like, oh, I think think God's calling me to marry this person even though they're not a Christian, that is not the Holy Spirit because Scripture is clear that we are called not to marry non-Christians. That's hormones. (laughs) If the Holy Spirit is calling you to cheat on a test, that's not the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, the Spirit's saying, the Spirit will encourage and remind us, bring remembrance to what Jesus has taught us. That what the Spirit says always aligns with what Scripture teaches us. Now, why does this matter? Why does this Holy Spirit thing matter? Well, for starters, because we feel spiritually alone. But the point is that the Holy Spirit is here in the midst of that aloneness to comfort us, to drive us back to the truths and the hope of Scripture, and to say that you are not alone in the midst of those, when you feel alone, that you're not alone. Remember, the whole Trinity is marshaled together, is gathering together for your and my flourishing in the faith. That's powerful stuff, and that should bring us comfort. God God is as present with you now in the Spirit as if Jesus was here. That's what he's saying. In fact, in later on in John, 16, in John 16, Jesus says that the Spirit is actually a better source of help to us than Jesus himself would be. That the Spirit actually encourages us and feeds us and nourishes us in our faith better than even Jesus would. That the Spirit is God's very presence in your life and your soul for your growth and for your perseverance and for your spiritual vitality. That nothing less than the entire Godhead, the entire Trinity, is joined together for you to grow as a Christian. That is comforting. That is encouraging. That means that the, God, that, that, that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are working together for your good. And notice that when Jesus says, when he talks about the Spirit, he constantly surrounding them. Whenever he talks about the Spirit, he's encouraging us. Look again at verse 17 and eight, verse, uh, 17, 18. 17, even though the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells in you and you in him and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
He, right then and there, he's saying, you're not abandoned. You're not like little orphans who are just like, hey, I hope you can survive on the streets in your faith. He says, no, the, whole Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here to comfort you, to prop you up, to encourage you in your faith. Verse 25, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who will teach you and bring remembrance. Peace I give you. Peace I leave with you and peace I give you. The Holy Spirit, he says, the Holy Spirit's presence to guide and bring remembrance, it, it brings peace. It brings comfort. Over and over again, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, always in conjunction and close by are words of comfort and encouragement to you in your faith, that you are not alone spiritually, that the Holy Spirit is active right now in this room for your life, for your spiritual vitality, for your growing, for your nourishing, for your greater understanding of who Jesus is. That the Holy Spirit is at work for you. We say in RUF a lot. If you hang around with me long enough, you'll hear me say this over, over and over. God is at work. God is at work. God is at work. You know what the whole, that means? It means that the Holy Spirit is at work in every facet of your life in every facet of your life to make you a stronger and better Christian. You are not alone. God is present faithfully right now for your faith to support and to love and to comfort you. Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks that you are present with us. That even in those moments of wondering where Jesus is and uh, feeling like we're alone spiritually in this world, that your spirit is very present with us. Lord, would you feed us? Would you comfort us through that spirit? Would you encourage us through your word, encourage us through singing, encourage us through other Christians, uh, that we would grow into a deeper and fuller awareness of your goodness and your grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.